All right, good morning. How are we doing? Good. So you guys didn't pray hard enough. The Packers won, but that's okay. This week is our, our chance to get rid of them. Hey, um, about five years ago, maybe more, eight years ago, ten years ago, I don't know, years are going really fast. We went to, uh, so we saw U2, this band U2, the greatest band in the world, by the way, in uh, Chicago, right? And it was an incredible show outside, 70,000 people. And we, uh, and you know, they start, you ever go to a concert and they get the crowd clapping and going? So we got the crowd clapping and everything. And then you started to sing, and the crowd clapping veered violently to a different rhythm than what, than what, the, than what the band was playing. And then the kick drum came in, and then they kind of recorrected. Have you ever been to, a, have you ever been to um, a concert like that or something like they get everyone going, and then it gets way off? Usually it's full of white people, if I'm honest. <laughs> just, it's real. You know, just what, how do we do this at the same time, right? And there's this idea that happens about counter, counter rhythm, right? Where if you, if you are trying to play something with counter rhythm, or sometimes in our, sometimes in, if you, in our ears, earpieces, we'll have the music playing while we're starting the new, the new song, and to hear two different rhythms and try to differentiate between the two rhythm, rhythms is insanity. It's like, holy cow, I cannot do this. It's like, have you ever tried to like, talk on the phone while someone else is talking and you can't even think because it's like just so much going on? So there's this idea of rhythms that we live in, right? And so what we're trying to do over this next couple weeks and last weeks is we're trying to decide and see how has God designed us and what are the rhythms of our life, the normal cadences of our life, and how do we ask and invite God into those things so that we can grow, so that we can expand. And so last week we talked about how reading God's Word is an essential part of our daily rhythm, however we can do that. And we said four days a week is kind of the sweet spot. So the other three days, you're off the hook, right? And so uh, we talked about just like daily connection in relationship is the key to growing with Christ, right? So we talked about daily rhythms. Today we're talking about weekly rhythms. And this weekly rhythm is real interesting because this weekly rhythm that you and I function in is a counter rhythm to the culture, okay? So the culture functions, the world, that culture is just the world we live in, right? The culture by which we live, the relationships we have, the people around us. This rhythm in our weekly life is counter, it's a counter rhythm to the rhythm of normal culture, right? And so in that case, and in lots of ways in our faith, the way you're going to want to live out your faith is a counter rhythm to the culture. That being said, you're going to be clapping a different beat than someone else, right? You're going to be clapping a different beat than neighbors and friends and coworkers and people around you, even your own family. Right? It doesn't mean one beat is better or worse. It's not, or that, that beat's the evil beat, right? I'm not saying that. But it's saying that the way, if we want to live the life that Jesus has for us, then we're going to probably live at a different rhythm. We're like, you might have the crowd clapping a certain way, and then you're going to have to get that kick drum going so you can get everyone on the right rhythm. Okay? Um, I heard this week an interesting thing about the enemy, the devil. So if you believe in God, there's this counter person of the devil. And we'll talk about him more someday. Um, and that'll be fun. But he said the devil is the ultimate rhythm breaker. Right? The enemy wants nothing more than for your rhythm to match the rhythm of this culture in every way. You should think the same way, believe the same way, act the same way. You should live your life the same way, spend your time the same way, spend your money the same way. And the kingdom is actually counter to the culture, right? It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. The patterns is literally cadence, which is literally rhythm, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means that followers of Jesus are to live in a different rhythm. And the enemy's job is to get you to break rhythm, 
the rhythm of growth in Christ and to help your rhythm just to like line right up with the rhythm of this culture and this world, okay? And if you think, well, that's not so bad, but actually it's not the best, right? I mean, ever increasing in our culture is things like mental illness and abuse and addictions and the sense of loneliness is going through the roof as connected as we are, quote unquote, right? And so God does not want us to live by that pattern. He wants us to live counter. And so our life is going to have a different beat of a different drum. Okay? And that's going to feel awkward. Okay? That's going to, when I'm clapping, I know I'm clapping off, but there's nothing I can do to clap on beat in the name of Jesus. Okay? So the enemy's job for you in your life, all he wants to do is to get you to march to the same drumbeat as the world and the culture, okay? When Jesus has called you out of and into something new. So let's pray. Lord, we are excited for what you have for us today. Would you bless this time? Would you speak in and through your word, Lord? Your word is power. Your word is empowered by your voice. God, everything with that said and done, I pray that it would be said and done through relationship. And we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So you know what's weird about you? Let's just start. We'll just go around the circle. Just kidding. You know what's weird about you and me is that we are here today, right? It's that you being here today on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday morning, oh my gosh, even if it's a 10, right? You being here today is a counter rhythm, right? It's, it's a peculiar thing for the culture around us. Uh, right now, basically all of our neighbors are in the mountains skiing right now. Right? And I'm like, well, that'd be fun to ski, wouldn't it? I also paid $25,000 to ski, but that's another message. But so God has given us a different rhythm, and you being here is a weird rhythm, right? I grew up in a culture that you went to church every Sunday, and every Sunday night, which was the worst, and then you didn't miss Wednesday night because that's how you whatever, right? And so even in our culture, our culture was de designed around that. So Sunday morning, literally within six months ago, our, where we're from North Dakota, had a law that businesses couldn't open before noon. You guys remember that? So most states, that like was voted out like in 1978, right? But in North Dakota, it was voted out in 2019. Okay, they're like, this is... This is silly. We should not do this. So in the culture was built into this rhythm for people to go to church, right? Every Wednesday night as a youth pastor, they didn't have any sports or activities or concerts or anything like that. They had, that was like an open night for anything, right? We got East, we had Good Friday off. We had Easter Monday off, right? We had not holiday break. It was Christmas break, right? And so in, our, in the basis of our culture, the way things were designed, it was this idea of it was based around the rhythm of being involved in the local church, okay? So I, that's how I grew up. That's how I grew up until five years ago, right? And so you, in, our, in this culture... That's not the rhythm, right? That's why you being here is a peculiar thing. It's strange. People are going to be like, what are you doing right now? Why would you do that? Right? So today I'm going to talk about the weekly rhythm of gathering together. Okay? And I want you to hear something really important. The church is not the Sunday morning gathering. Okay? The church is not the Sunday morning get-together. Right? Not the service. The church is the, the believers of Jesus working and moving together. It says where two or more are gathered, then I'm there. So basically, wherever you are, you're having church. But, so when we think about the gathering together of believers, which is counter to our culture, it's a different rhythm than what we are living in. Why is this so important? 
I've thought a lot about this this week. Is the gathering together of believers important because of something I'm culturally used to? Is the gathering together right now, together where we're at right now, is that something that is just tradition? Or is there something sacred that God has put in us to gather together on a weekly basis? Okay? We're doing okay? Good. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read this. And this is the, the early church. So Pentecost has happened. The church is formed. And, this, and I've read this, this scripture a lot because it's one of my favorites. Um, but it talks about the early rhythms of the church. Okay? So in the context of what the early church was doing at this time, this was the early rhythms. This is what they did okay, in their day-to-day life. And this was very countercultural as well at, for this time. Right? So this says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship into the breaking of bread, into prayer. So whenever there's a list of things, it's basically a rhythm of what they did. So when they got together, they devoted themselves to learn from the, the people, the, the apostles. They, they devoted themselves to fellowship. That means being together. It's this word koinonia, which we've talked about. It's this kind of like family of God, family being together. The breaking of bread, which was communion, but it was also eating together, and to prayer. Okay? So it's, it's a list of what they did. It's a service order. It's like if they had planning center. This would be this planning center order. If you don't know what planning center is, that joke is lost. It's okay. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So cause and effect. They devoted themselves to these things, and this was the effect. There's these signs and wonders and these great things happening. All believers were together and had everything in common, and... They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. So that one's kind of weird for our culture, right? Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Again, another, another list. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number each day those who were being saved. So this is kind of a beautiful picture of the early church, Right? So Christians at that time were like the major, major minority, okay? And everything that they were doing was like strange. They were being persecuted. They were being, they were being killed. At this point, it's like the beginning, so probably not killed yet. But, but they, they were, this way of living was so opposite of what the world was doing. The same way as, as we're, trying, we're trying to push against here. We're trying to live in a new and different rhythm. And these are the things that they did when they gathered together. So we meet weekly. We don't meet every day. So you're welcome, okay? Okay, so why is it important to gather? In a culture that values so much their time and what they do, why is it so important for us to gather? Is it important because it's culturally relevant? Or is it important because it's the lifeblood of who we are as followers of Jesus? Okay? Here we go. The number one reason why we gather, by far, the number one purpose for the reason why we gather is to glorify God is to glorify God. I know in church today, it's not necessarily about glorifying God. <clears throat> it's about, I need to get something. I need to get fed. I need to be away from the craziness of life. And that's fine. But the number one purpose, the, the intended purpose for the early church was to glorify God, was to, to celebrate the risen Savior, that there was a Savior we knew, and he died, and then we saw him a bunch, and now he's resurrected. The number one person for, reason for why we gather is to glorify God. You, you, you glorify God with your life, right? Like, I'm a, my life is a living sacrifice, so it's, it's an act of worship towards you. But there's something that happens only when we gather, is this unity of believers 
gathering together to bring glory to our Father. And most importantly, we glorify the Son who the Father sent to die for us. See, nothing brings the Father more joy than when his children honor his Son. Nothing. Not a great movement or a great program or even a great song. But it's the heart of the believers, the heart of the children of God coming and acknowledging and thanking the Son for what he did for us. And nothing brings the Father more joy. Nothing honors God more. Nothing just makes him just smile and he's so proud, he's so excited, is when we honor our Savior Jesus. So when we gather and we sing these songs, it is not so that we, you can hear how great we sound. That was a joke. Um, it, it's so that we can together in one voice thank Jesus for what he's done. And in doing so, we honor God and we bring glory, glory to his name. It says this in Hebrews chapter 1. The sun, the, the verbiage is so cool. The Bible is cool, you guys. You should read it. It's amazing. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification or forgiveness of our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. See, what God cares most about is that his son is just glorified. And so when we come together, the number one purpose we gather, the only reason we sing is to glorify God. See, because there's something that happens when you shift your eyes off of yourself and what's ahead and you look up to heaven, you realize that everything else is really small compared to that. I was asked this week by EJ, because he's a smart guy, uh, what is the goodness of God? We were talking about that, right? And, uh, and, and I, th I think the goodness of God is God has already done so much for us. He would not have to do anything ever again, right? Like, if you really believe in the redemption of our souls and our lives, that God has sent his very son to die and to save us and to set us free, he would not have to do anything ever again. And it would be good. He would still be awesome. It would still be like, wow, that's amazing, God. You saved me. I don't deserve it. But the goodness of God is that he continues to do good for us. Even though he's done everything, he will continue to do more and work more in our lives and seek to be closer and closer to us. That is the goodness of God. It's not, he does not need to or have any purpose to do that, but he just wants to. So when we glorify God, we take our eyes off all this stuff, and we, we actually step out of the line of that, that keeps us in that rhythm. And we remember, oh yeah, that's right. This is way bigger than me. This is way bigger than my goals and my vision, and is God going to take care of me? Is he going to bless me? I'm going to have enough money. This is way bigger than that. It's like, man, the eternal God the radiance of the Savior loves you. And when you respond in love to him, it just, it's everything. And when that's why we gather, to bring glory to God. And you can do it in three or more people, 10 more people, 30, 50, thousands, whatever, it doesn't matter, ultimately. The point is, is we're unified in our heart and our voice to him. See, the enemy wants nothing more than for you not to glorify God, Right? Have you ever been in the same situation and the one time you're there, it's like, this is great, and then the next time you're there, it's like, this is not great? And when you think about it, it's really about your attitude. I remember one time I was like really annoyed with our pastor when I was in college. I was like, this guy, he doesn't know what he's doing because I'm in college and I know everything, you know? <laughs> and I'm a theologian, blah, blah, blah. I read the Bible one-fiftieth of the time. 
And I remember I had a really bad attitude. I was like, why do we even do this? And then God really got my heart. He's like, listen, are you really loving each other? Are you really loving him? Are you really loving me right now? And then the next week I went, and I was like, man, this is awesome. This is so cool. And nothing changed. It was still a really long sermon, right? It was still the same songs we sang last week. Only thing that changed is my heart and my attitude. See, my attitude, my reason for coming, see, the understanding of why I do things. The greatest thing that Christians right now are missing in their life is they don't, they are unable to articulate why do we do the things we do. Why do we gather? I don't know. It's fine. You know, it's fun. I don't know. I don't know why we gather. The number one reason why we gather is so we glorify God. And the enemy wants us nothing more than for us not to do that. See, what happens is it recenters you when we glorify God. This idea of we deny ourselves, we pick up our cross, we follow him, is only happens when we see God's glory. See, when, it, when, when Moses was up at the mountain and he was given the law, he was given all these instructions and rules and things that they had to do to stay holy because it was before Christ covered that. And then Moses says, Lord, now show me your glory. I need to see it. He said, if I just try to live by a set of rules or a set of mor- a moral understanding, that's fine. But I need to know your glory. I need to know your weight. I need to know how big you are. And God said, okay, you can't look at me or else you'll die because that's how incredible I am. That's how profoundly holy I am. But Moses asked, not, God, give me a bunch of stuff so I can tell them why they should listen. He says, no, I need your glory. I need to see. I need to be reminded of who you are again. The reason why you struggle with your own faith doubt is because you forget who God is. How big and massive and powerful and profound his love is for you and what he has done. And when you, we lift up Jesus together, is when we sing with one voice, whether you like music or not, or worship or not, it doesn't matter. But when we sing together these words that honor Jesus, man, that's the purpose why, for why we gather. Glorify God. And the reason why the church is losing ground is we've stopped doing that. And we've just been like, all right, this is how we're going to feel good. This is how we're going to start this new ministry. And if we out of order do those things, then we are ineffective and we don't know why we do certain things. But in the face of a powerful, profound, loving, perfect God, it makes a lot of sense. Man, he's really big. I'm real small. I want to do what he says. I want to live my life for him and because of him. Attitude is everything. And if, if we as people, which I don't think that's your hearts, so, but if we just focus on being fed, if we do not remember the primary reason is for us to glorify God, then everything changes in our perspective of our relationship with God. Next thing. This is the, another bibl- a biblical term. is the fellowship of believers. Okay? That's probably why some of you come. Like, you like each other? I mean, I don't see it. But I mean, <laughs> I like you. It's fun. I like, look forward to seeing everyone. You know, It's, it's enjoyable. Um, it's the family of God being together. Okay? There's not, I mean, we don't all, everyone doesn't always get together. And so we have a weekly moment we're brothers and sisters in Jesus who are very different, who come from very different backgrounds or different levels of faith, understanding and knowledge and doubt and fear or whatever it is. We get to come together and be a family, right? Like as stressful as your holidays can be, right? With your family, uh, some, there's like moments where you're all together. And that's, a, that's a, it's a, it's an important moment, depending on your family dynamic. 
Okay, this one says in Hebrews 10. It says, let us hold unswervingly. Again, words are important. Unswervingly, that means we're going to hang on tight. That's like, like no matter where we go, we're going to hang on to these things. To the hope we profess, profess, for he who promises faithful. And let's consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do you think about when we gather together? Do you come and be like, okay, how am I going to be able to encourage someone? How am I going to be able to spur someone on today towards love and good deeds? How am I going to see the, the point of coming together, the point of meet and greet, the point of potlucks, the point of being together is not just so that we can be like, oh, no one talked to me again. It's like, no, my job as a follower of Jesus is to look at my brothers and sisters and say, how can I spur them on towards love and good deeds? How can I encourage them to show and share Jesus' love and to be encouraged and to push back fear and to not feel alone? How can I do that? See, that's an active relationship with God and with each other. Too often we're like, okay, what are they going to do for me? What am I going to get out of this thing today? If in your relationships you think that, your relationships are going to be dysfunctional. Our attitudes as followers of Jesus is that, how can I serve this person? How can I spur someone on? How can I encourage them? And when we get together, is the fellowship of believers, the family of God, and our job is to con come together to encourage, strengthen love, excitement, all those things, to be together as family. Then he goes on to say, don't give up meeting, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The rhythm of our culture and our world is going to get louder. It's going to be more pronounced. It's not going to lead to a fruitful life. No matter how you try to look at the data, it does not lead to a fruitful life. All the more since the day is approaching, we have to encourage each other. Do not disgrace the meeting together as some do. Because you, you have an inability to step into the rhythm of heaven and out of the rhythm of the world. See, Martin Luther says this. He says, at home, in my own house, whoa, words, at home, in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart, and it breaks its way through. See, I don't always want to come to church. Can I be honest? Anybody? You're all liars. You're the same. I'm the preacher, and I don't want to come sometimes. A couple of weeks ago, we had prayer on Wednesday night. You should come to prayer first Wednesdays. And I was like, I don't want to go to prayer. I'm just going to go home. Right? Because in my flesh, in my person, I, the enemy, whatever you want to call it, I really don't want to step out of the rhythm because it's more comfortable. Then I went to prayer, and it was awesome. It was so encouraging and refreshing, and I was like, man, this is great. So glad I came to this, right? There's a comedian that says, like, the new drug is canceled plans. Oh, I get to stay home? Oh, it's so wonderful. But you and I are not going to feel like doing certain things. And there's a reason why. It's because you don't want to step out of the rhythm of the world. Or the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you distant and separated from the body. He wants nothing more than to have you just like disconnect from gathering, disconnect from other people, so that you can just be fed and, and, and trained and conditioned by culture, by social media, by the news, by work culture, whatever. They just want, he wants you to be ingrained. You ever see like a tank, how it makes those treads? If a tank goes in the same spot, just tread, 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 tread. Gathering together as a fellowship of believers is so absolutely crucial for us 
to show the love of Jesus. See, everything in those first scriptures that we read, nothing had to do with, and then they went out and did this great outreach event. Or this killer kids ministry. Oh my gosh, they had like a fire truck back there and a slide. It glorified God. No, all it said was they were together in one place. You know, the common phrase is they were together in one place. And the response was great awe and favor. What's going on over there? Those guys seem happy. Why would they get up on a Sunday morning in the winter? Ugh. Or it's a beautiful day. Why would they, why would they spend any time doing that? Because we value the gathering of believers because what, the response of that is that people get to see who God is. People get to, we get to encourage each other, help each other, give each other hope and strength that we need. See, the biggest thing that will happen when we gather together is our culture is all about individualism, right? Individual accomplishments, individual likes, favorites, or whatever it is. It's especially for Collins, like crazy individualistic. This is what I believe. This is my truth, blah, 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 right? What happens when we gather together is we go from me to we. And everything that is kingdom is we everything. That God has given each one of his children a set of gifts, and together they make up the body. He's given us a set of his attributes, and together we make up the body. See, everything that wants you to just focus on you and make sure you're getting to live in your best life, blah, 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 is contrary to the kingdom. The kingdom is like, no, you don't live your best life. We live for the glory of God which is our best life. And so that's a separate rhythm than what we live in. And so the gathering of believers together is absolutely crucial to become less about me and more about we. When I gather, I come, I say, I wonder how I can encourage today. I wonder how I can strengthen. I wonder how this person's doing. I wonder how we can lift each other up. So the enemy wants nothing more. You're not going to feel like gathering because the enemy wants nothing more than to keep us separate. And your flesh will feel good. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. It doesn't mean you have to go to church every Sunday, so just chill, okay? Calm. It's okay. And then what the, what, what the enemy also does, he misaligns our burdens. Oh, this is just another thing. It's been a long week. This is just another thing. Or I can just watch online, which, hey, welcome online. We're glad you're here. All right? Or I can just... And, and that's great. Like, online is such a blessing. It's incredibly helpful. It expands our reach, all that stuff. But there's nothing like being together. So when you come, when you gather, how can you spur each other on towards love and good deeds? How can you shift your eyes off of me and onto we? How are we doing? What can we, how can I encourage you? The fellowship of believers, it only happens at certain times, and we get to do it weekly. Last one. Now we get into the stuff that's like what we think of church ultimately. The last thing is, this is scriptural, the equipping of the saints, to equip the saints. So we gather to glorify God, okay, fix our eyes on him. It's his ways, not ours. Next, we have this fellowship of believers, this family, and then we are equipped for love and good deeds, okay? Ephesians 4 says this. This is the mobilized mission of Jesus in the world, okay? So if you don't do the first two, the third will feel weird, right? 
You'll be like, why would I tell people about this? I don't even know what I'm doing. Right? But in the sense of I'm, I'm glorifying God, I'm growing together, then it makes more sense. The mobilization of the mission of Jesus. Ephesians 4 says, so Christ himself, words are good, himself. So Christ specifically gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, these are like the ministries of Jesus. This is all, these are the ministries that Jesus functioned in. Okay, so he gave those to all of us. Okay, and it says this, to equip his people for good works of service. Or one version is to equip the saints to minister. Equip the saints to minister. Saints are not saint xyz person okay the bible calls you and i saints if we believe if you believe in jesus we're like sainted that's pretty cool that's the verb by the way christ uh to equip his body for his people for good works of service so that the body of christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of jesus christ our lord and become mature obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ this is really big and we do this all the time. Okay, I believe the church's job is that we come together, we glorify, we enjoy each other, we are equipped so that when we are out in the world, we can help people move into the rhythm of God. We can help people see who their Savior is. We can help be the life and love of Jesus to other people. We can serve the poor. We can help those in need. We can give, give of ourselves for other people, which is this beautiful thing. We can live out this humble life. And so the, the last reason that we gather is that we equip the saints to minister. See, the ministry of the gospel, the ministry of the story of Jesus, it was never meant to be carried by one person. It was, it was meant to be carried by the people of God. So when, when the early church met, and the Lord was adding to their number daily, because there wasn't this hierarchy of like, well, I don't know enough. Or I don't have enough background. Or I don't understand the culture enough, blah, 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 blah. The goal of gathering together was that so we could leave equipped. And then we would come together again needing refreshment, needing to be refilled, needing to be reconnected. And the response was that we receive maturity and the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So why do we gather together? Why do we, in our weekly rhythms, come to church on a Sunday for an hour and just spend time together? It's not so that we can have a big church or a small church or whatever church. It's not so we can be better than XYZ church or not as cool as XYZ church. It has nothing to do with any of that, even though that's how American Christianity works. The goal is people coming together because they realize what their God has done for them. And it's people coming together because they realize their need for each other. And it's people coming together because they've embraced that they share in the reconciliation of this world. See, God has given you and me adoption into his family. And not only that, but now he's equipped you and given you purpose to live out this life so that your life has meaning and value. And if we don't gather, those things become very diluted and very hard to see. Trust me. And so God is, culture is built into us that we do things weekly. One of the weekly rhythms that we do is gathering. The church is not the weekly gathering, but the church is at its best when we gather together. So let's, let's pray. Do you guys want to come up? We're doing pretty good. I was nervous there for a while. Father, let's pray together. Just power heads. Lord, we just want...
in a way, it's interesting we're preaching the choir here, right? Because we're here. But God, I pray that we would just remember. Sometimes all I need, God, is, my, is, my, to, is to remember why. Sometimes all I need is to realign my attitudes. Realign my heart. God, without a vision, people perish. That's what your scripture says. Without a vision for why we gather, it, things get diluted. The beat and rhythm of this world is loud and is pretty def- definite. But God, we understand as followers of Jesus, if we want the fullness of what you have for us, it requires a different rhythm. Not for your love, not for your not for you to call a son or daughter, but for the fullness of what you have. So God, we just want to just re just look at our hearts. God, do we value the gathering of believers? Or do we just think, oh, I gotta go to church tomorrow? Do we recognize that the enemy wants nothing more than to disconnect and separate us from the body? The enemy wants nothing more than to keep us from glorifying God, just to look so much at our our own lives and not at other people's. God, I pray for this group in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would revitalize our heart to gather together, our excitement to be in one place with one voice, glorifying you, fellowship together, and being equipped for every good work so that when we are out, Lord, we get to be like you and and share in the redemption of this world and the redemption of people and helping people move out of a rhythm that's destructive for their lives and not leading to hope and not leading to strength and not leading to faith. God, and bring them into this new rhythm that gives them hope for the future that gives them a solid rock to stand on. God, that gives them a family that is never ending and never changing. And God gives them a savior who died and gave his whole life for them. Father, would you just re, refocus our vision for this? Would you give us discernment to know what the enemy is saying and not? God, would you make us courageous? Would you make us brave? God, I pray that we would never, ever settle for less than what you have. And that when we gather, we would anticipate what you have. That we would come in with the attitude to glorify you. We'd come in with the attitude to give you praise. We'd come in with the understanding of how can I lift someone else up and how can we encourage each other. And Lord, that we would be hungry to hear and be equipped so that we can be like you to the world. That is why we gather. And I'm glad it's not just a cultural norm. I'm glad it's not just a tradition. I'm glad we get to be together today. So Jesus, would you just refocus us, center us around that? God, help help us in our rhythms to grow and become more like you. Would you stand together? We're going to sing. Praise be my song. Would you just, if you feel comfortable, to open your hands up, to lift your hands, however you want to do that, and just sing praise to, to, in your heart to glorify God, to give, to give God the, the, the worship he's due. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. See, Jesus has sustained all things by his mighty hand, his powerful word. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. God, we just sing this now as we close with a heart of praise, with a heart to bring you glory. God, take our eyes off the things and the problems and our 
how tired we are, how much stress we live in, and just put our eyes to the Savior who came and died for us. So we sing this together as one voice, as your family, giving you glory.